Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, a weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Peter Corrigan, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Co, Dolphin Brewery and Becky Bentley-White. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Kimmy from Bone Machine Brew Co based in Hull. Bone Machine Brew Co are a fierce craft brewery inspired by a love of stoner rock, cosmo punk, Russian music, and an idiosyncratic sense of humour. Underpinning the apparent chaos lies great values of honesty, hard work, and innovation. Originally established in 2017 in East Riding, Bow Machine relocated to the splendid Tap House in Hull in 2019, which must be a contender for Britain's largest brew pub. Kimmy, please introduce yourself. Tell me about your beer journey and how two Finnish brothers came to launch Bow Machine Brew Co. Hi, Rob. Yeah, thanks for that really, really cool intro. Uh, it's great to hear a bit of a story behind us and, and just like in a really fun way. It kind of takes the whole journey that we've been on and, and puts it into perspective hearing it from someone else. So yeah, it was me and my brother, Marco. We founded the company in 2017. Originally, I had come into Scotland in 2005 for university in University of Aberdeen. Right. Marco came to Edinburgh to Harriet Watt University in 2008. Right. Uh, he's going to kill me if I get it wrong, 2008 or 2009. Okay. I'm going to go with eight. He's <laughs> younger, but he's bigger, so I'm, I'm slightly, slightly worried. Yeah, yeah. I know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm still quicker, so that's, that's my advantage. So uh, he, he came to Edinburgh and he studied brewing and distilling. Yes, for a great credentials, uh, Harriet Watt. Yeah. yeah, the prestigious <laughs> Harriet Watt. A really, really cool place. I got to join him a lot in, in their little, little escapades in the Union and all around Edinburgh. Nice. Uh, doing various things, uh, joining them for rum tastings and just had a really, really great time with those guys. Very good. From there, Marco, he went to work for Tempest Brewing Company. Yep. They were based at Kelso at the time. They're around Tweed Bank now. Okay. And that's where we really got his brewing chops together. At that time, I was working for Royal Mall Whiskies. So coming in from more of a spirits background okay, uh, and then converting that into wine. So after that, I worked as a sommelier in Aberdeen in, in a couple of places. Right. Did my business degree and then pretty much as I, as I was done, we both relocated to Hull to work for a brewery here. Did that for a little bit, mm-hmm. did a few other jobs around that time. Then I joined a distribution company in Leeds right, and ran that for a little bit. Then joined later on Alchemy in Livingston near Edinburgh. Right. Yep. And then that's when we finally got enough money together to buy this really old beat up kit nice. <laughs> from an ex-dairy farm. It looked really, really weird for a brewery. Uh, right. But it made really nice tasting beers. And it also, it, it kind of pushed us towards what became our identity. One of the things that we do is, unless it's specifically mentioned, we always use quite yeast. Right. Yeah, so I did pick up on that, actually, the tasting notes for the second beer. For how long has that been the case? Because 18 months ago, at least I hadn't heard of it. And obviously, it's been known in Norway for many, many years. But, but when, when did oh, yeah. you guys come across it and start to use it? We started looking at it in 2016. And just, just having chats and we, we kind of had the idea of the brewery for a while when we had the name already at that point. Right. Uh, start, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that isn't really Did important. you have the logo? <laughs> we had a logo. That's another good story. We had an idea, put it that way. Okay. It turned out something much better than, than our original idea. <laughs> we're, we're tossing around ideas and came across a, a quake. Yep. And it seemed like a really, really interesting story behind the yeast. And we 
really enjoyed like the different flavor compounds, the flavor profiles it'll get into beers. Yes. And then experimented with different other other yeasts, AY5. I think we did a little bit with the uh, Lalamond uh, New England yeast, okay. uh, which was an absolute disaster. Okay. We had no temperature control in, in our first size. So it just, it did nothing. It, it hated us. Yeast has oh, a personality yeah. and it hated us. Just didn't work um, in your environment, no. No, or, or no with your with your dairy kit. <laughs> exactly. Put it this way: we had no chemistry with that yeast. <laughs> then we looked at each other. It's like, well, why don't we just go with the quake? Hmm? So we got us some uh, Sigmund Voss quake yep. from White Labs, and the benefit of that is it takes almost all temperature really, really good. So right. in the summers, it was stinking hot hmm. in the Pocklington site. It got up to like thirty degrees easily, hmm. and that turned out to be almost the ideal temperature for pitching quike yes <laughs> so that really worked out great and that, that was basically the first steps of our taste identity if you will right the other part is is like you mentioned so earlier in the bitterness we need mm-hmm. bitterness and we need acidity at all times simply because right. that's what we want that's what we demand in beer for ourselves yeah and it makes sense to make beer that you enjoy yourself definitely yeah if you think of like make the analogy with a musician mm-hmm. you're gonna make a better album if the songs you play are songs you enjoy rather than songs that you make for the dollar sign. Definitely. No, I completely agree. I'd, I'd get into a variation on this conversation most weeks on this podcast. And I, I, I completely agree with you with just one small proviso, which is that what you're making has got to be a saleable product that people want to buy. And so I think you, there are brewers that make the mistake of saying, oh, I'm only going to brew to please myself. And they've got a cold store full of beer that nobody wants to buy. So I'm not sure whether that's a very sensible approach but so i think you've got to have one eye on the market but given that then absolutely yeah please yourselves first yeah you're absolutely spot on there it's striking that balance if you just listen to yourself then you will only sell to yourself uh, <laughs> or maybe your friends and family but it's a limited <laughs> if, market if, yeah. if they're really really nice uh, i've got this like Im- image now of, of doing like like a food or beer <laughs> and trying to uh, force it down my mother's throat <laughs> She's, uh, bless her, she's really, really coming on to the whole craft beer scene since Marco and I started, but she's not quite at that level yet. Okay. Uh, New England IPA, she's getting really into. That's fantastic. Nice. Uh, and you're like sort of lighter, lighter style sours. Okay. I think those are both gateway paths into craft beer, aren't they? Which is great, by the way. I mean, you know, that, that's very good news for all of us because it means there is a pathway into craft beer for people that aren't necessarily looking for super bitter flavors for example or 10 percent imperial stouts or whatever you know you've got to have some ways of, of getting those customers in um, yeah and for people who had no desire or <laughs> will to ever get into the beer scene and, and the poor woman's now an enthusiast <laughs> is your mom ruined in, her is your mom still in finland yeah, yeah. uh mom and dad they they live in helsinki okay great let's just take a step back and, and understand how two brothers ended up in scotland did you have family and friends already in in scotland and no, for, for both of us, getting on that plane to live here per, there permanently was the first time we'd ever been to the country. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it became from programs, a university program. So you just like, it, you came for the course, basically. And, and that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bit, a bit like that. So if you're Scottish and you go to Finland, you get university tuition for free. It's paid by the government and vice versa in Scotland. Is that uh, right? Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. First and I always that, want yeah. to go to university in English. Right. One of the reasons is my Finnish is atrocious. Uh, <laughs> I was six years old when we moved out. So I've always really studied in English. Oh, okay. With the exception of, of half a year in Dutch when I was really, really young. 
right. was crazy. Okay. So yeah, I always wanted to study in English and English. And I looked at some from the English degrees and mm. it, it was just prohibitively expensive for me. Right. Whereas in Scotland, I could get tuition paid by the SAS. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, so it made, made a lot of sense. Yeah. Tried to get into Edinburgh, didn't have the grades, got a conditional offer from Glasgow and an unconditional offer from Aberdeen and went, just went. I remember I was on the back of a, of a warship uh, when, when I got the, uh, the phone call from my dad. Like, yeah, you've, you've got what's called an unconditional offer. Uh, I was like, yep, Perfect. that's me. That's me. That's I'm going to Aberdeen, man. <laughs> Aberdeen's great, by the way. I've been there several times for the Brewdog AGM. Mm-hmm. Sadly, didn't happen last year, of course. But the years prior to that, I was I was there for every year for, for the Brewdog AGM. I had a great time. Really good craft beer scene in the city centre now. Yeah, so, yeah and you know, six degrees. North the Aberdonians, they know how to yeah. party. Yeah, yeah. Fierce is, is, is a funny one. So they, they started just on the street where I lived. Okay. Uh, but a few years later, and a lot of my friends are now working there, but I'm, I'm so cross with it. It's like, guys, where were you when I was living uh, here, man? Yeah, they it's, could have started it's... five years earlier and you'd have been... Yeah, exactly. Where you perhaps wouldn't have ended up in Hull, though. So. No, that's true. <laughs> I, I could be there. <laughs> Speaking Doric. Yeah, so back so, to the story. So, yeah, yeah we, we ended up in Pocklington. We worked mm-hmm. there for about a year and a half, I think, roughly, constantly adding more stuff into, into our kit and into our repertoire, getting different recipes on the go. Right. And just building up an awareness, really. Yep. And then we got the offer from one of our friends to to come and join them at the tap house. Mm-hmm. And like, do you mean a, like a brewery that is not two degrees in the winter? <laughs> you, you can be there in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going. In a town center with a customer base and a tap room. And, you know, it just sort of looks like a really, I haven't been there, but doing my research this afternoon ahead of this conversation i love the look of the place i've got to tell you it's you know it's, it's a really really brilliant. fun place yeah when i put on my delivery driver hat it's great because i can handball him in it's, it's in the same <laughs> building i've nice. uh, got a great little shop across the road mm-hmm. fantastic customer but almost half of the the trade in hull i could do on foot oh <laughs> <laughs> including casks so that it really cool. works out yeah, yeah. And so did you move your brew kit into the tap house then, or did they have their own kit already set up? Uh, half and half. So mm-hmm. initially the premises were to be split between our, ourselves and Yorkshire Brewing Company mm-hmm. and they provided the uh, the brew house. Okay. And we both had our own fermentation vessels and, and conditioning tanks. Yeah. So sadly about a year ago, they basically the guy who was running it, he retired. Okay. You never, never, I mean, I never knew he was, of retirement age he looks so young it's like, oh, wow. I, thought, okay. I thought it was like 45 and turns out no it was like 20 years older than, wow, than i thought him. he was so yeah power to him <laughs> nice yeah. uh then we just inherited the whole brewing site and Great. now we've added in three new fermentation vessels yep and we've got an order in for a new brew house hopefully coming in yeah covid thing it was meant to be in like six months ago uh, it's not that's fine the so, guy who's so manufacturing what? is we've got a lot of time for him so no issues there so what, what's your capacity right now in terms of brew and FEs? Uh, right now, about 4,000 litres a week okay. uh, of nice. work. Yep. And once the new brew house is coming in, yeah, we can increase that to six, eight, 8,000 litres. Very good. And you got it's still a fair amount of space to grow into, or are you, are you sort of... We're mostly maxed out. Uh, we can, we can uh, fit in a few more fermentation vessels, but like uh, all, all the storage space and with the canning line, the canning line came in and that takes a fair bit of bit of space yeah it does yeah both in the machine and operationally and all the, and all the you're, storage you're of, the, of the consumables and everything it's just yeah exactly we find a way it's it's mm-hmm. interesting uh, we get to play brewery tetris <laughs> yeah i like that 
So talk me through your, your typical production output then, because I can see that you've, the tap house at least serves some cast beers as well as mainly keg beers, I guess. But so you guys are producing some cast beer as well, are you? Uh, yeah, yeah. We do a split between cask and keg. We've got some, some beers that are done uh, to a way more traditional style right. and, and some done to a historical style yep. uh, that are purely cask or cask only. Then we got a range that is works for both American pale ales, the coffee stout. They work in both formats. Right. And then we've got the keg only. So yep. your uh, New England IPAs, that kind of stuff. And you're using the fake yeast for some of your cast beers as well, are you or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, almost all of them. The only one we don't is the uh, porter. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, the, the, the fake yeast, it just, it's become our house taste. So mm. a lovely sort of a bitter orange, citrus, yep. and you get that minerality coming in. And it just made instant sense to us. Like, yeah, this is what we do. This is like our, our baseline. Brilliant. And that's the, I think that's really important to have that identity isn't it if people can identify a flavor and say oh that's probably a bone machine beer that's quite an achievement really in the crowded market that we're in so i admire you for doing that oh, i couldn't agree more i mean it's it's great you do have breweries that do fantastic work with experimenting with different yeasts, mm-hmm. which is awesome for us because then we can speak to them we can learn from yeah. them but for our own output it just made sense that this is our skeleton this is what we're going to stick with yep so you guys would be one of the earlier adopters of the East in the UK, I suggest. And, you know, I've mentioned earlier, perhaps 18 months, I've been conscious that I've been drinking quite a lot of like, beers. And I've seen the style evolve. It's wrong to call it a style. Let's call it, you know, the use of the yeast uh, evolved to the point where I think people are getting a much better balance of flavours in the beers these days than they were 18 months ago because the yeast is, you know, I understand it's so aggressive. It, it was consuming all the sugars and therefore you were ending up with very, very dry beers. Um, I, I tasted some some fake beers a year or so back that I thought, oh, this has got no sweetness left in it at all. It's almost like there's great holes in the flavour profile of the beer because there was just no, nothing left for the yeast yeah. to eat, I suppose, when it's finished. So I think you guys have obviously come to terms with that and you've got enough residual sweetness in the beer after the yeast has worked out to at least have some balance of flavour. And I'd be curious yeah, to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a great point. Uh, as a yeast, particularly like the uh, the Voss strain that we use, it's very different from your regular, like your American yeast, your mm-hmm. US fives, uh, AY fives. It's an absolute Nordic. It doesn't like to be in a crowded space. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's completely socially distanced. You pitch in a, about a quarter of what you think you should be pitching. Yep. It just, yeah, it likes to roam. Uh, and if, if you put it put in a lot of it, and it, it just has a hissy fit and just goes like, uh, no, I'm not playing wow. too many oh, people. That's, that's uh, this, this is not yeah, good. Yeah. So as, as Finns, that really appeals yeah. to our, <laughs> our sensibilities. It does, yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember it was um, Mark and I were walking to a music club close to my, my flat uh, called O'Reilly's. Mm-hmm. And we got a phone call from one of our brewing friends in, in Newcastle. Yep. And uh, they're like, oh, guys, how, how do you work this Kvik yeast? It's just, yeah. <laughs> we tried a few times and it just, yeah, nothing happens. Should, should we add more? Is, is, is that the problem? No. <laughs> we're just, we're just, no it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite. It, wow. You, you kind of got to be rough with it. You got to mm. abuse the yeast a little bit to, uh, to, to wake it up. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Let's, I was going to say, Kim, before we go too much further, we need to talk about this first beer because I've nearly drunk it all and I'm just conscious of that. So That's music to my ears. If we're, going to, if we're going to compare some some tastes on it, I need to still have some in the glass. So let's get to that. And so this is Garden of Death, your 7% New England IPA, your flagship New England IPA. Definitely. 
Brewed with your house fake yeast, best American hops. This beer is naturally hazy, aromatic with citrus and tropical fruits, and has a higher bitterness than most New England IPAs, adding dryness and drinkability. Well, I'd certainly attest to that. I think we've been talking around the the flavour of this beer, I think, since we started the conversation. So this is definitely, it's still got lovely fruity flavours, um, still got a bit of sweetness you'd expect from a New England IPA, but at the same time, it's definitely more bitter. And as we were just saying, the fake yeast brings a bit of dryness to it as well. So I, I like this very much. Um, I've had this before and it's a pleasure to have it again. It's, it's a good beer and, and I'm, I'm not surprised that it's, I'm sure it's probably one of your best sellers. What's the background to it from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's it's, it's the beer that we sell the most. Almost every time it, under normal circumstances when we brew it, it's it's sold out on the day that it's finished uh, nice. when, when we rack it. And mm-hmm. even right now, the batch that you're you're drinking right now we released it on friday last week mm. and we're down to a quarter of what we made it just disappears and, and it, it it goes to show this is a beer style new england ipa that's really popular and yeah. it's, it's called the world by storm yeah it makes me wonder like where was it before <laughs> you know when i was growing up i, I could have been an enthusiast a lot lot sooner yeah but yeah it also it's it's got a ton of variety in the mm-hmm. taste so you get the really sort of velvety the really really smooth ones like the the uber fruity version as well yep. uh, which are like drinking peaches or nectarine what we wanted to do is just give it a little bit more ibu as as, as per our own preference and we find it also also uh, a bit more acidity in the water mm-hmm. chemistry so it's got a little bit of acidulated malt right. in, in in the mash okay and that, that creates just a little bit of a drinkability in there. So by the time you, you reach the end of the glass, that's when you should be getting your best taste and going like, ooh, yeah, okay, I'm not sure about this. I think I'll have yeah, another. I think I just need one more just to, yeah, just to <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, quite right. I think that's a great yeah. point. We wanted to make like a really drinkable product that's also easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your, your beer range then. So this is your core New England IPA. How many other beers would you say you have that are core beers that you're brewing regularly? We've got a, a slightly changing core range between five and six. So okay. you get mm-hmm. your, that's our, our core IPA. Then we got the uh, the Quike IPA, Nordic mm-hmm. Barbarian Juice. Okay. We've got an American Pale Ale. We've got the New Zealand Pale Ale. Yep. And the one that is shifting according to availability of hops is our Aussie Pale Ale. Okay. Uh, Dream Machine. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Boathead Lager. Right. Which is a fairly recent addition, but it's actually converting me into a lager drinker. So my <laughs> what, what, style, what style of lager would you describe it as? It's it's a killer beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's uh, the ABV? Uh, 5.2. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that hits the uh, European premium lager yes. strength point. Obviously, in, in cans, we don't call it killer beer because it's in cans, we do force carbonate it. In okay. kegs, we do let it carbonate naturally. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, one of these things like Mark and I have really, really uh, got into is like we're not gonna mess around with the definitions of, of the terminology. If it's we're not gonna call it a coach style, and we're not gonna call it coach because we're not in Cologne, etc. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, no, so I think that's respectful, isn't it, of the European tradition? So it's yeah. Absolutely, and and yeah, to avoid misleading customers as well, yeah. intentionally or unintentionally, it's yeah something we we think about a lot. Yeah, makes sense. Let's talk about, I think we should lay down some geographical ground rules, actually. I mean, I should have done this cool. a bit earlier in the conversation. So Finland is not part of Scandinavia, is it? Even though Correct. I'm sure that you're constantly being accused of being a Scandinavian. Finland's not part of the Scandinavian peninsula. That's although it is, it is considered a Nordic country. So Finland is one of the Nordics and a part of Fenno-Scandinavia. Okay. Mm-hmm. But not Scandinavia, that's only Sweden, Norway and Denmark. 
Right. And so, as you said, I'm sure you're, you're sick to death of being called a Scandinavian uh, in the UK. <laughs> it, it became a, it became a, like a running running gag. Yeah. Every time they say like, no, it's Nordic, it's Nordic. But uh, <laughs> like my family from my mother's side, they mostly came from Sweden. Okay. And half yep. my family from my father's side, they came from Sweden. Yeah. So we've got a lot of like Swedish roots. Yes. And a lot of that's that's true of a lot of people in Finland, isn't it? There's a significant percentage speak Swedish you know, rather than uh, Finnish yeah. as, as their sort of home language or their first language. Yeah, um, that's that's right. The the, the Finnish Swedes. Yeah. So I'm lucky enough to have spent a lot of time actually in the Nordic region with work. And not not so much the well, not in fact not at all these days, but from about twenty ten to twenty seventeen, I was I had basically Nordics as a sales territory based out of the UK. So I was you know, literally flying to Copenhagen and Stockholm literally weekly and, and less often, but still at least monthly to Oslo and Helsinki and occasionally places like Gothenburg and Stavanger and whatever. So so I've had a very great opportunity to drink a lot of fabulous Nordic craft beers. And I, Fantastic. I, and I, a lot of beautiful cities there. Ah, wonderful place to travel. Great place to be an English speaker as well, because everybody speaks English better than I do. So that's a good, <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> you cray cray. Especially if you're drunk, it's good that, good that everybody speaks your language better than you do. But um, I can honestly say that if it wasn't for all of that travel to the Nordics, I don't think I'd be as obsessed with craft beer as I am today. Probably wouldn't be doing this podcast, actually, because I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to learn about craft beer before it was a really big thing in the UK. You know, hanging out at you know, particular places like Omnipolo in Stockholm and, and Warpigs and McKellar in Copenhagen and, and other places. So uh, have you had much experience of, of Nordic craft beer? Or have you mostly been in the UK during the, those great years, I suppose, of, of growth? During during that entire emergence, I've been living in the UK, yeah. Uh, but yeah, following it with with a very keen eye. Mm. And I think it's really really great that they they've definitely come up with with uh, like a Nordic identity to it, yeah. Scandi Nordic identity, mm-hmm. not only in their visuals, definitely in their visuals also. But I'd like to think, and if anybody wants to test this out, uh, get me into a blind tasting of like half Nordic beers and half Americans or, or Italians. And I hope that I'd be able to pick out which ones is which, or which ones are which. Wow, um, interesting. Yeah, possibly. Based on the thing on the water profile and, and the sort of the brewing styles or the... The styles is definitely a thing. But yeah, like the, I'm going to use the word like consistency, which probably doesn't make, make a lot of sense to anyone outside my own head. Um, <laughs> There is just like this thread that ties them together, in my opinion. I, I've got a really weird association with, with tastes and tangible things. I think, if not super consciously, at least subconsciously, I think I, I, I want to be able to, to get it together. And also, I, one of the things is it's definitely the, the embracing of the berry flavors. Right. Mm-hmm. Rye is a huge thing. Right. And it's so cool to see uh, all, all these Nordic breweries using rye. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, for, for me, it's bread. Uh, okay. and reminds yeah. me of being being a young kid and eating that mm. really hard brown rye bread yeah i love that as well we, we would call that german rye bread really i suppose but i'm sure it's, it's, it's very, got some of that in the kitchen over there but uh, common yeah. across the across the nordic region as well yeah but uh, i love it i know exactly what you mean i literally had the sandwich made of that for lunch actually today so it's, <laughs> oh it's just it, it, it tastes healthy but in a delicious way mm. Yeah, it's, it's the density. You've got to have density in your bread. But uh, we are definitely going off at a tangent now, Kim. We? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's all good. I think that the, and as I said, I'm not so familiar with the, the Finnish and the Helsinki scene. I'm sure there are breweries emerging there that I'm not 
I haven't come across so far. But in terms of Sweden and Denmark, certainly those markets, I think, were slightly ahead of the UK in terms of their development, you know, going back to sort of 2014, 2015, when you, obviously there were brewers in the UK that were already brewing great craft beers. But I think it, it wasn't didn't seem so obvious and prevalent to me here as it was over there in those years. But I think we've obviously caught up uh, you know over yeah. the last few years and you know and, and there was also the fact that like when we're bringing in the stuff like dry and bitter from denmark it, it yep. came with massive fan drinks it was so exotic for us over here and they came in for them for all scandies and nordics getting the invitation to the uk is always a really big thing right it's it's something that started in, in the 60s like it was really prevalent in swedish pop culture it's okay. like where, where do you want to be when you grow up and everyone always said liverpool uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was to do with the Beatles. Oh, uh, I guess but, so. but yeah, the, the UK has always been like the big brother or the big sister. Like, yeah, that's the market we want to impress. Interesting. Uh, and, and and for like all the Scandinavian breweries coming in, it was a huge deal. So they all like got their friends, they, they got the entire teams and they went on tours promoting their stuff. Nice, yep. uh, so we, we got the whole shebang that way. So maybe it feels like they were uh, way more exciting than, than we were over here. But at the same time, you, yeah. you had breweries like Tempest doing some great stuff, yep. like the the old school British uh, craft beer scene. Right. Yeah, yeah. That definitely. is that's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm respectful of the history. I'm definitely a definite convert to ultra modern beer styles these days. But I'm still, you know, I'm respectful of the British brewing tradition. Yeah, the heritage because yeah, yeah. That, that gives you the identity and that gives you the backbone in the beers. But I can't help myself from saying that I think that it's a mistake for breweries to rest on their laurels and continue to brew the same beers and not evolve and experiment. And I can understand why you can get into that cozy place where you've got a big established customer base. And so, you know, why change, but that's not for me. And I think I've got no time for brewers that are not pushing the envelope and trying to. Yeah. Evolve. You always got to be uh, ex expanding on what you know and what you do. Cause um, the, otherwise they're pitfalls. They're just dangerous. Yeah, like you say, you, you can feel you're very comfortable in your own niche, uh, in your own little or big pond, whichever it is. Yeah. But then there's also the risk of the multinationals coming in. It's like, okay, do you know what? We're just going to snap that. Yeah. Um, which happened with a, a lot of the really traditional English breweries. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Which have now completely lost the, the beautiful identity that they had. Yes. No, I mean, yeah, partly been bought out for their pub chain. And obviously, if you, you know, when you start putting your beer into supermarkets at 99p for a 500 mil bottle then you you know you've not got much <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that and, and doesn't give you much room to maneuver does it on price it's absolutely not and yeah you you start to be dictated by the rtm hmm. which if that is the only route to market that you have i totally understand you, you go where the business is yeah but that might that might not be what your dna originally no. was so which brewers had the most influence on you guys as you were getting the the money and the plan together to, to start out in uh, in East Riding? Like the, the single biggest influence uh, was, was Sierra Nevada. Okay, yeah. And I remember it was uh, 2010. Our dad got Marco and myself a, a week in New York. I was like, yeah, you guys haven't been. We're, okay. we're sending Fantastic. you there. That's nice. <laughs> and oh, goodness. Uh, the first time we had Sierra Nevada on draft, it was fresh. <laughs> it was beautiful. Just, just the pale ale. Yep. The absolute balance of it is fruity but it had the lovely bitterness to it as well we had it at john's pizzeria on, on i was gonna that's my next question can you remember which bars you you, you visited absolutely yeah we got in and there's like a 400 meter queue <laughs> and uh the, the, the guy at the door is trying like do, do we have any do we have any fours do we have any fours yeah and these two girls clock me and marco and just grabs like you're with us 
and we got in oh, at the same time, jumped that, the entire yeah. queue, <laughs> and just you know sat with them. And Marco and I were, were so excited about the beer and the pizza that we completely ignored these two ladies <laughs> speaking Finnish the whole time. Uh, so dear, you blew it, guys. No, we didn't. We got a great pizza. Great beer. <laughs> uh, if anybody's listening, uh, John's Pizzeria in New York, best pizza in, in the states. Okay. Wow, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of contenders for that crown, I can tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. Another shout out to uh, to Bebu in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stunning stuff. Mm. Um, just think, yeah, thinking of other other beers that really influenced us. Brave New World by Tempest. That was a, okay. a real eye-opener for me mm-hmm. uh, personally. It got me into the whole different side of beer. Like right. big, massive fruity flavor, that piney bitterness. And it, it like sent shocks through my system when I first tasted it. As, yeah, as yeah, a total... Yeah. I was a lout at the time when I, when I first had it. <laughs> and it just made me think like, wow, there, there's really something in this, uh, yeah. in this craft beer scene. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what can you think, what, what year you're talking about there? The... Yeah, they, they both were uh, 20, 2010. Oh, 2010. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. And then beyond that, so did you do, have you been to the US since 2010 to go and do a bit more homework or? Yeah, so I've been to, to Boston and Chicago and the, the most recent one to North America was uh, to Toronto. Okay, nice. Yeah. And it's you, you say that you're you're in as a tourist, but yeah, you're really there to check out the beer scene. Totally. The last five years I've been to the US quite a bit and I've got really elaborate Google Maps plotted of here's the tap room, here's the opening hours, and there's and yeah. this place and this place and this place. And the beauty of it in the you know, any city of any significant size in the US is there you're going to find a walking route. There are so many tap rooms almost on every street corner, aren't they? So you can, Absolutely. you know, you, you, if you do your homework, do a bit of Googling before you go, you can put together an amazing itinerary of three, four tap rooms that you can, you can walk from one to the next in sort of 10 minutes, eight, 10, you know, and it's such luxury. I just love it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and the people who work in there, they're so happy to see you. They're so friendly. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. If you go in with an open mind, guaranteed mm. and a few dollars. What about more recent UK influences? Then you mentioned Tempest. Who else has influenced your journey? Burning Sky. Um, okay. Absolutely blown away by everything that they do. Yeah. Uh, huge fans of more beer. Okay. Yeah. I think those are really two really big ones. Yeah. Uh, more little, little more sort project. of fly under the radar a bit. No, no. I haven't. Their Triple J release, yes. which is, is that like January? It's sort of kind of this time of year, actually. I probably need to keep an eye open for it. it might be out now, but it's. Uh, that's always really interesting, isn't it? I've had that a couple of years. It's super fun. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's recently they they've fallen off off the bullhorn. You haven't heard much, but yeah, it was just before the lockdown started. I had some friends over from from Finland, and I was showing okay. them around London. Went to see a football match, okay. and yeah, I took it to the uh, Bermondsey Beer Mile. Got to do it, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And oh, getting to war, we just had such a good time. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, the, fan- the, the problem with the Bermondsey Beer Mile is is actually making very much progress along it, isn't it? You know, so you, you know, you start at Cloudwater, you go next door to Moore, <laughs> and then you go next door to Brew by Numbers, and that, quite honestly, I don't think. I've ever got any further than that you know there's so many other great places but <laughs> absolutely we've missed so many because like we're well one we're quite jolly at the time and and two we had dinner reservations oh no <laughs> it's like yeah we want to stop but yeah but you know what we're going to the tomb so uh yeah that, that, that cannot so good, wait so good dinner reservation and they've got decent yeah. beer as well haven't they they're, they're um, yeah they do so are they, they they're, is it mondo that does the beer for them i'm not sure uh, mondo does the uh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh the, the tomb ipa 
Yeah, yeah. Mondo's a friend of the uh, of the podcast. So I've had them on. So they're, they're oh, they're, they're super yeah. fun guys. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out, guys, if you're listening. All right, nice. <laughs> uh, funny thing happens, like, as, as we're coming in, we took all the, all the public transport and all that stuff. Mm. And uh, we're, we're doing the very, very Finnish thing, thinking like, oh, we have the most obscure language in the world. No one can, <laughs> no, no one's going to understand us. We're, we're doing this, like, awful uh, gag humor thing and yeah, yeah. the stuff that you wouldn't want your mom to hear no but thinking like do you know what no one's gonna understand it and the first person we meet who does it happen to be bloody moritz from uh, uh, from colonel <laughs> <laughs> he, he lives like 200 meters away from my parents house in helsinki oh no i'm gonna speak to your mom about that that's right yeah he's <laughs> like, hey, are, are your boys finished <laughs> oh. Sugar, honey, iced tea. Oh, well. <laughs> that's that's one way to make friends. That is definitely. I think that's a good point at which to take a short break, actually, Kimmy. This Week in Craft Beer was founded in January 2020 and publishes a weekly email newsletter and a weekly podcast. We are proud of what we managed to accomplish in the challenging year of 2020. However, we have lots more that we want to do in 2021. In order to fund these activities and to enable our community to get more involved with the creative process at Twickup, we have launched a Patreon membership program. Full details of how you can get involved, starting at less than the cost of a half-decent can of beer per month, can be found at patreon.com slash thisweekincraftbeer. Don't worry, our weekly newsletter and podcast will continue to be free for everyone. The Patreon membership offers access to a range of brand new Twickup products and services. Please check it out and let us know what you think. So I'm back with Kimmy from Bone Machine Bruco for the second half of the show. Kimmy, what makes you different? I like to ask the brewer or the guest every week to differentiate themselves. How is it that you stand out in what is quite a crowded market now in UK craft beer? My goodness, you're going with the easy answers from the beginning. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, right. So in one word, it's balance. Uh, like we don't go for one taste or one sensation. We go for at least three together. So we want, uh, for example, we want the fruity taste, okay. uh, but we also want to pair off with the backbone. It can be a light malt base. It can be a heavy malt base. It can be creamy. It can be woody and then uh, acidity. And that forms a sort of like the trifecta that supports itself. You right. can add in more, more things like bitterness into the fact and then you've, you've got, pardon me for sounding a little up myself, but you get a table with four legs instead of three. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, but yeah, what we like to do, and it's very, very important for us to have the combination of flavors and great, great balance and the drinkability. And what makes us really, really different from the other breweries that I see is that we come in with that as our plan and okay. not necessarily just our outcome. Okay. Did that sound really, really mean towards other no, breweries? No, I not, not at all. No, no, no. That, that's absolutely fine. Don't worry about that. Um, what about more from a business and less from a beer perspective? Do you have another answer to that question from a community perspective? I'm not sure, but this, this will sound very, very obvious coming from, from a Nordic, but yeah, we are the heavy metal brewery. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we work with heavy metal bands mm. in the UK, in Italy and in Finland. And that's really a big part of, of our business personality. And okay. we've managed to bring that in uh, doing collaborations with like Witch Tripper, Mm -hmm. uh, with Mastiff from Hull, uh, with Stoner Kings from Helsinki, yeah. uh, Uncle Bard and the Dirty Bastards uh, from near Milan. That's a, just a fantastic name. name yeah. <laughs> it'll get us in so much trouble. It's great. I love it. <laughs> and I've uh, been working with Mick Artistic, Mick Artistic's Ego Trip, 
from Leeds, mm-hmm. which is a total departure from our heavy and death metal roots into kind of like this jazzy, trippy, kind of like Iggy Pop influence stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a better described as the, the least likely beer music pairing in the world. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, that, we You've got to go for boys. that, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Always come up with surprises. Yeah. But yeah, music's been really important to the growth of the company. Yeah. And we like to show that in, in our visuals, in all our performances as well. So do you get involved in, it? obviously, everything that we talk about has to have a caveat associated with it, which is that you've not been able to do it for the last year. But were you involved with live shows at all? Or do you get involved with touring with the band? Were you the, the beer for the tour kind of thing? Or how do you leverage that association with, with bands? What I'm doing at the moment is I'm speaking with some people in Hull City Council, trying to organize a music festival once everything is safe again. And, and, and bring bring the bands that we work with together, Have give them a place to play. Hmm. and offer the beers that we made together with them for them oh fantastic yeah, yeah we did a thing in finland with some music and our beer with with stoner kings and there was some wrestling involved as well which was really cool sadly i didn't get to see that <laughs> uh but yeah before we started bone machine we did when mark was working for brass castle we did briefly did a thing where we had our band come play in their tap takeovers and things things like that hmm. uh so yeah we bring beer and music okay very good and yeah, that spawned off the fantastic Black Russian that Brass Castle got. Okay. That was from the band Black Russian Society. Excellent. Good answers to what makes you different, I think. And the fact is, um, I hesitate. Yeah, and it's not just the rubbish jokes. No, no. <laughs> well, I was trying to choose the right words here to not, not offend either you or everybody else. And, it, and it's, it's hard to make that balance. I'm going to offend either you or, or everybody else. And that's. Oh, <laughs> offend me. I'm, I'm really great at no, that. No, no. But uh, obviously, the Brits are generally more conservative and not quite so wacky as the mad Nordics, or, you know, whether, whether we're talking about Finns or Swedes. And so. <laughs> yeah, especially when we get our drink on. You guys are um, you're great fun to be around. And, and I, I know this from experience, as I say, having done a lot of drinking in, in the Nordics over the last decade. But it's great to have a point of differentiation, which isn't just your two mad Nordic brothers running this business. So it's, even that even in itself would be fun and, and worthy of comment. Yeah, no, there's a bit more meat on that bone <laughs> when you see your antics. I'm sure. Yeah, I did. I doing a bit of googling this afternoon. I found some some pretty cool pictures of you guys uh, putting silly faces. So that was all good. But <laughs> oh, fantastic. Let's talk about attitude adjustment. You just mentioned wrestling, didn't you? So this this beer name obviously has a wrestling uh, uh, association as well. For for us, it's a song by Witch Tripper. Okay, uh, John Cena. Yeah, yeah. John, John Cena. Yeah, it was John Cena's signature move. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good God. Anyway, um, right. Attitude adjustment. 8.5% double IPA, and the tasting notes say a double IPA in the old school fashion, combining our favourite hops from New Zealand, Australia, and the USA with a strong malty body and our house yeast, Boss Quake. Notes of pine, resin, grapefruit, and wine gums with a bold and satisfying bitterness and cereal backbone. Yeah, I think this is a really nice dipper. I'm not actually much of a fan of beers that describe themselves as old school dippers by the way i should probably qualify that's what i'm saying which is not to say that i don't like this beer i actually do really like this beer and i think the reason i like it is it's still got really vibrant fruity flavors in it i think old school dippers can tend to go down the road of being very bitter and have marmalade sort of sweetness and not actually have vibrant fruity flavors you know that's my sort of definition of an old school dipper yeah i, I can see where you're coming at with that doesn't really please me anymore um but 
this i think is old school mashed up with new school if you like in terms of the fruit the vibrance of the fruity flavors on top so so i, I think it's really good yeah thanks man like for me when i when i first got to taste the finished product i was, I was thinking like oh god this is like the odell mercenary double ip but with the bone machine taste in there Okay. Plus the uh, the kiwi and the Aussie hops, they really come and give mm. that lovely, fruity, tropical taste. What hops are actually in this? Yeah, so it's got Nelson Sobin okay. uh, from New Zealand, uh, Galaxy and Big Secret from Australia, mm. and Columbus, and I think Amarillo from the USA. That's a good combination of hops. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's like a great citrus flavor is coming from them, and then you get the really muscular flavor from the Columbus yeah, and, and everything is for, for for me, especially I I got to taste it through the uh, the brewing process, right, and the fermentation, and everything's held to held together really well with the Nielsen solvent. How many dippers have you done? This is our second one. Okay, we did one before. It was a collab with Credence Brewing called Stones and Bones. Okay, good. And night. that was um that was an all New Zealand double IPA. Okay. Yeah, during our early days. I think this is lovely. Do you guys have hop contracts with Australia and New Zealand or do you, do you get them through distributor? We get them through, at the moment, it's Loughran and some of them come through distros like Simply Hops. Okay, yeah. We tried, but we, yeah, those contracts are something that they just get snapped up real quick. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, we're still too young as a company to, yeah, to have no, the, it's, the muscle. It's, it's a massive challenge, isn't it? Because you you want to avoid always having to scramble and not necessarily being able to get your hands on what you need. But on the other hand, you're not ready to commit to those volumes. Or Yeah, and there are times when we would be, but it's other breweries, legacy breweries. They get first dibs, obviously, because they've been with the company a much, much longer pur- time. Purchase, purchasing history, whatever, yeah. It'll yeah, be interesting and, and, to see how that plays out next year, I think, because obviously... There will have been some, well, in fact, not there will have. I know that there have been brewers this year that had to not follow through on contracts because of whatever lockdown and production volumes dropping. Right. So there's been opportunities for up-and-coming breweries to step in yeah. and, and, and grab those slots, yeah. I'm starting to see that on the list. So things like Galaxy are popping up. Nelson Sobin, which we previously couldn't get for love or money, no. uh, are, are popping up. So, it, yeah, it's definitely going to be happening. And in some ways, this could be the great leveler between mm. the small and the large. Yeah. No, I think so. Yeah, as you say, you don't want to see anybody, any business struggling, but it does present an opportunity for the little guy, doesn't it? Which is which is good. Yeah. Good if you happen to be that little guy. <laughs> if you're fast enough to, to snap it off. It also makes me wonder whether the whether the pandemic has interrupted the volume of harvest from Pacific Northwest this year. I don't know whether it has or not, or whether Australia and New Zealand, because they managed the you know so much lower level of you know, be able to harvest yeah. as normal. This I guess this is their they're now into their harvest season, aren't they? And I wonder whether we might see better availability of southern hemisphere hops next year compared to the US. Who knows? I'm just I'm rambling. Sure. I don't know whether this is even that, a thing, but it just, just triggered that thought in my mind. That's a really good idea, really good thought. Mm. Uh, I hadn't even considered that before this and, and I, I bet even on your end you can hear the gears in my head going. <laughs> <laughs> but Cloudwater in particular have really showcased New Zealand hops this year, haven't they? they? They had an amazing single hop series that they ran right through this year. And towards the end of that series, it was all oh, fantastic. Southern Hemisphere. So it's amazing single hop beers. And so I think that's brought, at least brought it more to my attention. I'm sure it, from a brewer's perspective, it was already very much in your mind how great those Southern Hemisphere hops are. But um, yeah. Yeah. Know. And it's, it's, they, they also offer a really, really different taste. It's like, well, it's, it's, it's terror, isn't it? Mm. Uh, to bring wines into this mm-hmm. and the soil it, it gives such a different and, and a fun taste to it and that's, that's really exciting for me you could take the same variety well i mean it wasn't um cascade american cascade that, that was fuggles to begin with wasn't it yeah i think so yeah but it yeah. tastes so different 
Yeah. Uh, and it's so great. Uh, we've been working with like UK Chinook. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's given like really, really uh, like juicy, juicy citrus notes mm-hmm. and a little bit of, like earthy, earthy vibes at the same time. So lots of really fun things going on with hops yeah yeah was that from brookhouse i i, I went to it was Brook- from brookhouse yeah yeah I, I lucky enough to get an invite down to brookhouse in september to go and uh, meet with those guys during the harvest and actually walk the fields and watch the process and you know pick, pick oh, they're, the, they're fantastic pick the fresh chinook off the uh off the vine and rub it and smell it oh that honestly that was without a doubt one of the best days of my life never mind about just last year it was a, an incredible experience <laughs> oh mate i'm i'm, I'm envious <laughs> Well, you've got to get yourself an invite down there next year. They're great. They're really good people. Um, uh, I would love to. A beautiful part of the country as well. Yeah, oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. What can we expect to see from Bone Machine in the next few months? What have you got in tank and what, what have you got beyond that on the brew schedule? So what we got in tank, we've got another tank full of the uh, attitude adjustment at the moment. We're really excited to be promoting that. The first oh. tank. It yep. disappeared in days. Um, so it's, it's even, a really even, good beer. even during COVID, it, it I'm just, glad I've got it, two just, more in the fridge. I can tell you. Ah, that, good me. man. <laughs> good man. No, I, I was really, really impressed with the way it just disappeared. I was thinking, like, okay, you know, maybe something that strong won't sell so quickly because it's mm. got the higher tax rate and everything. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it was a mad scramble for it. Fantastic. Other stuff that we want to be bringing. So what I want to make is some of the old favorites. So really excited to be brewing Swordfish Trombone again. Okay. So a Tamarind Blanche. I want to make the Earl of the Mountain King Porter again. Mm-hmm. So uh, a Porter with uh, sour cherries, oh, nice. uh, chamomile tea, and Woodruff. Okay. Yeah. And then more of the uh, the band collaborations. Right. I want to get the uh, the oatmeal stout with sea salt into cans with mm-hmm. uh, Uncle Bard and the Dirty Bastards. That sounds sounds good. The beer sounds it's, it's good. Great. Never mind about the band name. <laughs> These guys are crazy because it's it's a uh, four sort of uh, either thrash metal or uh, like uh, frog metal bands coming okay. together to play Irish folk music. <laughs> brilliant! It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I recommend everybody get on YouTube and just check it out. It's really fantastic. Got it. All right, uh, I, promise you, I promise you, I will do that tomorrow. Ever. <laughs> 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 it's absolutely brilliant yeah they, they've been opening for dropkick murphy's and everything so they're doing okay, massive nice. like so yeah. it's the full-time job for these guys now Fantastic. Uh, yeah 20 years of playing heavy metal and then you break with the uh, irish uh folk punk. <laughs> it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier on doesn't it about you're going to play for yourself or you're going to play what sells you know you got you need you got to find some happy medium there haven't you <laughs> absolutely but the funny thing is like it, they had no demand for that they, they just went like do you know what i like this did you like this mm. and they did it and Boom, people just like they lapped it up. Uh, same thing happened in Finland in the 90s with a band called Fintroll. Okay. Again, I think it was like a bunch of death metal bands uh, drinking very, very heavily. And in the morning, they'd all pass out in the uh, training pad. And the keyboard player just starts playing this, um, like a Finnish oompa thing uh, called Polka or Humpa. Humpa. Uh, and they, they're, they're at it. And and then then you bring in the the death metal drums and the guitars and yeah now they're one of the most um, well-known exports from the, <laughs> from the finnish uh, metal market to be honest with you music and craft beer have actually got a lot in common in that respect haven't they which is that, that it's very you know you can be very very niche focused and still find a market for what you're doing that, that, that's, absolutely you know that, that that's brilliant isn't it that you know you don't you, you don't need a hundred thousand people to like what you're doing what you know what you need as a craft brewery is 500 
massive fans and then you're in business aren't you absolutely you know, yeah. and they really really support you they really get mm. behind you brewers are the new rockers yeah they are they uh, totally are sure. they're the rock stars of the future definitely i love it it's uh, yeah <laughs> i'm lucky enough well, to interview one each monday night so that's even better <laughs> it's not not a bad way to be but I don't know, like, a, a lot of musicians have turned into professional brewers um mm. uh andres frieden from in flames he's now got a brewery for himself in sweden okay I think it's called Frequency, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, but yeah, and, and more and more uh, bands are coming into releasing their own own, own beers. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. We ha- used to have gigs and, and no one showed up. And now Mark and I brew beer and, and people do show up. So <laughs> You found your Fantastic. niche. That's the main thing. We yeah. found our niche. What do you like to drink, Kimmy? In terms of styles, pale ales, just like standard pale ales are the ones that really, really get me excited. Stuff that I can drink four, four cans of. While I'm cooking, so you, while I'm what, eating. So you're talking about sub five percent, typically, then, or uh... yeah, yeah, pretty much sub five percent. What's what's the one? The, it's a uh, Pipeworks in Chicago. There's mm. a Mosaic Pale Ale, American Pale Ale. I think it's called Lizard King. Okay. And yeah, I, I picked up a, a four pack from Trader Joe's. Right. And just started making a chili in in the Airbnb and just caned it, and it, it was it was so beautifully balanced. Mm. There was nothing nothing crazy about it. But just wonderful balance of fruity acidity, and it, was like, it, it went down like a dream, and I was so happy. And and for me, that is the the ideal beer. Yeah, I can have it with my friends, share it with everyone I like, maybe share it with people I don't like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and give, give them only one. You know, be really mean about it. Is there uh, a UK have... a UK equivalent that you could mention then that you know that would be your sort of go to session pale? Oh, there must be. There must be. Uh, one that I, I, I had fairly recently that really, really turned into a session really quickly was the Overkill IPA from Top Rope. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was I had it with my parents. We went into White Locks in Leeds. Mm. They had it on cask. And my parents, I don't think they'd ever had cask beer before. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a relatively rare thing in, in, in the Nordics. No, sure. Uh, sure so, is, some yeah. pubs have them. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's becoming really appreciated but my parents they they wouldn't have known to order it no so we got them and the idea is okay we'll have one one small beer and we'll go to the next pub mm. six glasses later each <laughs> we, we we realized that oh we're we're meant to be at the airport we're picking up our brother <laughs> oh Sorry, so Marco. quickly run to the station <laughs> take take the train to manchester airport uh, so it can happen, but that's, but that, that's yeah, the beer was simply so delicious that we couldn't stop. Oh, no, but that honestly, how much you miss that right now, you know, that spontaneity of being in the pub and just saying, Yeah, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll have another one. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll have another one. Hang on, let's have another yeah. one. You know, that's, oh, come on, it's my round, my round. Yeah, oh, god, I miss those days. Do you, do you remember rounds? Yeah, yeah, rounds. Yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? Oh my god, <laughs> the way they drop you in and like, Oh, yeah, twist my arm. I really oh, need no, more. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah oh fantastic days hope they come back quickly i think honestly we're not far away now it's all you know it, it's actually going well for the first time in, yeah. in a year Ho- hopefully may i think yeah i think fingers crossed yeah totally it, it oh it'll be so good it'll be the best beer i ever had doesn't matter what i'm drinking how do you research beers one thing to do is, yeah, you just follow what people are talking about. Have your finger on the zeitgeist. That's one way of knowing what, what's coming out. And so you're talking about un- uh, mainly on Instagram or untapped? No, it's it's, it's like uh, personal uh, WhatsApp messages and mm-hmm. speaking with different brewers. The thing, the thing in, in this scene is it's it's a real network. 
Yeah. Oh, it definitely we, is. We, we, yeah. All we need is a telephone number. And, yeah. you know, we've got connections in Italy and Hungary and the States and Canada. And everyone is always talking. And if they find something exciting, they tell you because yep. obviously you're excited. You want to share with your mates. And sure, in this yeah, case, we happen to be the mates. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that's one way. And but the, the way I really enjoy the most is just, just by tasting. Okay. Go around tasting. And sometimes we, we do these sessions with, with Mark where like we, we get a whole bunch of beers and just have a taste. They could be beers that we've had before. Uh, yeah. They could be beers we never had before and, and have a taste, see what we think and, and see if there's something that we want to find out about it and try, try to break it down. Like what, what are the individual components that we'd like to uh, lift from that beer? Yeah. Or uh, if we taste it and, and think like, well, there's something that I'd like to have in there mm. and think of different ways to to come up with incorporating into that flavor profile but how do you uh, how do you go about doing that do you go onto the cloudwater website and buy one of everything or two of everything or do you go to honest brew and buy every ipa they've got listed or every you know lager or you know whatever style you're looking at you know what's your plan do you have a plan for, for that uh, sort of no we, we actually go relatively blind we, we okay. just pick things quite randomly and that way we, we we'll, we'll pick something that we normally wouldn't perhaps hmm. And that'll give us an idea. Another thing, brewers are really, really happy to share their work as well. Yeah. So when someone visits us, we always give them a little something. And when we visit other people, they, they're they really happy. So we turn them into kind of like uh, like bottle shares. But no, just absolutely. Between yeah. us. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the beautiful things of the industry. So it brings me to the shout out to Little Guy. And here I ask you to mention a small local to Hull beer business that you're particularly impressed by. This could be a brewery, a tap room, a bottle shop perhaps a restaurant or a cafe that you think is doing a great job promoting craft beer in Hull? In Hull, uh, hands down, it's the uh, the smallest brewery in Hull, Vittelsen Company. They're also a bottle shop. Their brew length is one cask at a time. Oh, uh, wow. They're found in the Trinity market. They're just absolutely wonderful people and just a, a pleasure to deal with and have a, as a customer and, and a source of beer for me. Fantastic. I love it. All right. Well, I will put a link to them in the show notes and hopefully people can look them up when they come and uh, come and have a few beers with you at the tap house. Absolutely. It's uh, about five minutes walking from the tap house. Uh, and yeah, there's great food in the Trinity market as well. Perfect. All right, then. So that brings me to the wrap up question, which is what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And what would you be drinking? And this is non-COVID restricted. So you've a free reign to uh, mention anything. Are we, are we talking alive or dead? Or well, I, I would always know, choose alive. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess <laughs> when you're thinking about who with, I don't much mind even about that. To be honest with you, I'm less interested in, about the who with than the where and the what. But uh, that's that's just me. But you know, <laughs> you feel free to interpret it entirely as you as you wish, Kimmy. Uh, yeah. Um... The, the actual where would be in Cagliari in Sardinia. Oh, wow. Okay. Had an absolutely wonderful holiday there. Um, and they, they have a really, really uh, a vibrant beer scene. That's a, that's a total niche. The mass, at least at the time, they were massively into their blanches. Okay. Uh, which made total sense that the weather was beautiful and, and, yeah. and hot, but also dry at the same time. And they used the, uh, this is local fruit. It's, um, I think it's called Fico d'India. Like a like really spiky fruit that you need massive gloves and, and, and knives to open up. But there's like really sweet fruit on the inside. Okay. Uh, so this crazy German tourist try to grab one with his hands. And it's just like bleeding the whole way through <laughs> on the bus. It's like, no, that was a bad idea. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. And just really fresh, 
fruity, but still you get that sort of a spicy minerality from the coriander. Okay. And just, yeah, sitting on the, on the piazza, drinking that or, or an natural spritz and just having the most beautiful seafood, the loveliest people. Mm. Uh, they're so warm and friendly. Just a few words of Italian to them and boom, you happen to be, you're your family to them. Okay. Nice. Uh, yeah. There's a great, great restaurant, um, Stella Marina de Monte Cristo. Uh, that you have to have bookings in okay. and I go in, in in my extremely broken Italian try to order a table for two and they're like mm, okay difficile difficile <laughs> and okay okay seven o'clock come in come on we'll, we'll sort you out and we did and and just absolutely the most wonderful time beautiful food 30 euro each flat rate as much wine as you can drink uh half a bottle of mirato so we're like okay we're, we're gonna come again and two days later i come back to theodore giacomo i was like oh and, and he, he clocks me on this you go ah, ciao, kimi, kimi. come in come in you want table you want table no need reservation Nice. Italy's a special place to go on holidays, no doubt about that. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 beautiful. Uh, there's another one, a, a rock brewery in Sicily. Okay. They're called Rock Brewery. Yeah. And we we're meant to be doing a collaboration in in July, and obviously that got scuppered. So yeah. I'm desperately hoping that soon I get to go there because I've never been to Sicily, and okay. it looks. No, I've not been to Sicily either, no. And the idea of of going there and drinking with fellow rockers appeals to me massively. (laughs) So even though that was a wrap-up question, I've got a follow-up question to that, I'm afraid, which is, so I'm interviewing brewers every week, as you know, and oftentimes we get to say, oh, and, you know, the brewer says, oh, and of course we're exporting to Italy, you know, and that's a big market for us. And so I'm aware that, you know, Italy is a big export market for UK craft brewers and therefore must be a big market for the consumption of craft beer by extension and i know that there are some beer festivals in italy but i did as a, as i mentioned earlier i'm an obsessive plotter of google maps and so i did start to have a look at the major cities in italy a few weeks ago to try and see whether i could figure out where the breweries and the tap rooms were and where would be a good place to make a trip and i came up blank to be honest with you it doesn't seem like there's much of a taproom culture in Italy yet, or even I couldn't, I was even struggling to find many breweries with taprooms. I, I couldn't find where all that craft beer was going. So I don't know whether you, have you got any comment on that or is it just a secret? Is everybody drinking it at home? <laughs> uh, the majority goes to Rome. Okay. Cities like Milan are following up, but even, I mean, Milan is a massive, massive city yeah. and there's a number of, of, of fantastic bars, but in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's, not like we have over here. Mm-hmm. You just go to the city center and you will find uh, bars with, with great craft beer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, about a year ago this time, I, I, I did a tour of six Italian cities and they all had these specific bars okay. uh, that go through great volume, each of them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how to get to them because uh, in, in, in one evening we did three three different cities in one go so i, I no went and had my little speech <laughs> they threw me back in back in the van and just drew, drew me back into into the next one i think we started in rubiera we got to cesena and i think we finished in rimini okay yeah. it was absolutely mad but i had such a good time the, the scene is really interesting well I, I i don't know the south of italy particularly well but we spent a few years in north of italy okay so it's very like a germanic style you have beer halls or, or right. like specific beer bars birifici mm-hmm. and they'll just go through absolutely loads and loads of cakes in a night you, you order in like five liter towers for your table right yeah yeah uh, some of them have taps in tables yeah funny you should mention the five liter towers because the only place 
in the world I've experienced that was at a racetrack in Stockholm. <laughs> which is, that's pretty random isn't it but yeah you, you know you order the fight and in fact it's not i don't it's, it's not whilst it's convenient and you get to pour your own glass of beer and so it's handy for drinking fast it's not not a great way for beer to be served really because it gets to room temperature a bit too quickly doesn't it but it's, it's an interesting thing and I, I i'm glad i've experienced it but i'm not sure it would be a, a sort of a deciding factor in me choosing which oh, bar you, to go you, to you're now. so happy when it arrives and when you get halfway through like oh i wish they could bring oh, me a colder one now yeah it's it's it's, it's too much <laughs> unless you've got like seven people uh exactly, sculling yeah. it yeah, so seven, seven big drunken fins, then you'd be all right. Then you said, but in Stockholm, <laughs> that's just this sounds like gumless done. Excellent, Kimmy. This has been a very, very enjoyable conversation. Oh, for me as well. Thanks, Rob. It's been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed chatting with you. I and I do, I say this most weeks, but I really mean it this week. I'm going to come and see you guys in Hull because I'm super impressed with the look of the setup you got there i love the feel and the variety of beers that they're pouring in the tap house so i oh, 100% cheers, man. You'll, you'll be an honored guest i will drop in at some point this year thank um, you very much for having me coming up in the next few weeks we have interviews with some of the uk's most exciting craft breweries if you enjoyed today's episode i hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you receive each episode automatically every tuesday morning if you enjoy the podcast please tell your friends and leave us a review in your podcast app it really helps others to discover the show full details on all our podcasts can be found at thisweekincraft.beer you can also follow this week in craft beer on instagram facebook and youtube